We kind of reached back this morning and picked out an old song. I don't believe there's another song in the, our hymn books and everything else. It really tells so much of the story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as one day.
says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything 
give thanks. Thankfulness is a choice. It's up to you what to choose today. And I hope and pray that you choose thankfulness. Go and open your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We will be having fellowship in a little while, and that is something else to be thankful for. Matter of fact, we can be thankful in that we can have fellowship, that we can do that, that we can enjoy fellowship one with another. In our passage that we'll be looking at in just a second, uh, it has to do with, I think, about one of the sweetest things that Promised Land has is our fellowship one with another. And we'll, we'll take a look at what that means, and the Bible has a lot to say about fellowship. And a Thanksgiving fellowship is what we'll be having in just a second. Let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word and just read a couple of these verses. The Bible says, verse John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That means shown unto us. That which we've seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this opportunity to preach Your Word. May Your Holy Spirit lead and guide and bless this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I was uh, good to see Heath this morning recovering from gallbladder surgery. I was there at the hospital, and Mr. Jimmy came up to me and gave me this uh, Thanksgiving proclamation. Matter of fact, it's a copy of the penned proclamation, and. Uh, uh, by the President of the United States, uh, Grover Cleveland. Every president, until it was made official, uh, a set date, uh, made a proclamation of Thanksgiving toward the end of the year. Uh, Thanksgiving is a neat holiday. It's something pretty unique just to England, Canada, and us. Now, there's other countries that have similar observances, but uh, in thinking about this, matter of fact, it all started back in the 1600s. Uh, it was, this Thanksgiving proclamation was made mostly by church leaders in England up until 1682. And then our church leaders until after the uh, American Revolution and during the revolutionary period, uh, political influences affected the issuance of thanksgiving proclamations various presidents and governors john hancock george washington and the continental congress each uh, by giving thanks to god for events favorable to their causes 
Um, as President of the United States, George Washington proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in America, marking November 26, 1789, as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts and the many and signal favors of Almighty God. In modern times, it's interesting that presidents, in addition to issuing a proclamation, will pardon a turkey. (laughs) They'll pardon a turkey now, allowing that turkey to roam free and not die on most farmlands. And uh, pretty interesting. Thanksgiving in the United States was observed you know, all of this time and and uh, on President, uh, excuse me, on December the 26th, 1941, President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed a joint resolution of Congress changing the National Thanksgiving Day uh, from the last Thursday in November to the fourth Thursday. And uh, two years earlier, he had used a presidential proclamation to achieve this change. And uh, hopefully, and it also says maybe this was the beginning of Black Friday, to achieve this change, reasoning that the earlier celebration of the holiday would give the country an economic boost. Well, now we have an economic boost. It's called Black Friday, and uh, and a lot of times uh, they use that. So uh, just a short little history that presidents and even making it modern the way we understand it today and most people, they just associate Thanksgiving with food, family, and maybe football. But you don't need to leave out the other one that's the most important of all, starting with the same letter, and that is faith. And that is knowing that all of our freedoms and the things we have to be thankful for come from the Lord. They come from Almighty God as was stated in earlier proclamations. Now, if you know Jesus as your Savior, it says here that the foundation of our fellowship is, we see it in verse 1, the foundation of our fellowship is this, that from the beginning we've heard and seen and looked upon, our hands have handled the word of life. These people, and especially the writer of this epistle, had touched Jesus. John had seen him. He had been with him. He was one of the inner circle, if you will. And so he had a close relationship. And he told everybody about his Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what this does is, uh, now most of us, we have friends and we have fellowship with people that we love, our family, that we like. But the Bible teaches us that we can have fellowship, first of all, to have true fellowship, and we'll we'll get into the meaning of that in just a second, but to have true fellowship, you must know Jesus Christ as your Savior. To know Him is the most important thing. From the beginning, God chose to reveal Himself. It says in verse 2 that, so He's wanting to reveal Himself, and He says, for the life was manifested and we've seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father. And when it says was manifested to us, all that means is is that we've seen Jesus. We know what he stood for. We know what he's done. And uh, that's the foundation of our fellowship. Folks, everything that our church does, the foundation of it should be based upon Jesus. 
We're, we're not the, uh, even, you know, the American Red Cross is uh, a great organization helping people in times of trouble and relief. But, you know, their main thing is to help people physically. Our job, our main thing, the foundation of our fellowship, the main thing that we do is to help people spiritually. The Bible, you know, we've used this as an acrostic before, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. My whole job is to tell people about Jesus to get people ready for the next life. You know, I remember whenever, and many of you remember this, whenever you were uh, you, there's plenty of young people in the room, and I'm so thankful for that. But I remember whenever I was in my 20s, and I felt like my life was just going to go on forever, and I felt young in my 20s, and I was bulletproof. You know, anything, I could tackle anything, and then, boom, life flies by, and it just goes, and you blink, and you realize that you that the Bible's right. Life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, then vanish. I mean, it's gone. So you think about, you know, well, I'm, my purpose in life is to enjoy it, to have fun. But then you realize whenever the physical things are gone, and, you, uh, you, you know, what is the purpose of life? And that's why a lot of people have, uh, you know, they'll have what they call a middle-age crisis. And, and uh, oh, no, you know, they reached a middle age and my life is more than half over and I've not accomplished the things that I wish I could accomplish. And you realize that living for 70, 80, or 90 years is not what life is about. It's about eternity and seeing those things. Fellowshipping with each other is based upon having that relationship with Jesus. Verse 3 says, that which we've seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. So he's saying in verses 1 and 2, you have to know Jesus. And then you get to verse 3, if you know him, then you can have fellowship with us. That and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, let's talk about the meaning of fellowship. Uh, the word in the original language actually is uh, kenei. And uh, if you say that in the Greek language, and here you see on the screen just a short definition. Matter of fact, given this is a relationship characterized by sharing in common fellowship participation or giving. Matter of fact, thanksgiving, you think about that, that others can share generosity. We see those things also and you don't have to turn there because it's just a, a follow-up. Second Corinthians nine thirteen, Philippians two one, a willing contribution, fellowship, to share, to help out. The word actually has to do with pulling alongside, to having uh, walking together, participating together, giving together, thanksgiving, fellowship. So once I come to know Jesus as my Savior. Then I can have fellowship. I participate. We, he, there's a give and take there. And so that's the mean. You can only have this because of the work of Christ. Head, if you will, to just a few pages over or back in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. The only way this is possible is because of the work of Jesus. It says here in 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self, Bear our sins in his own body on the tree, 
that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. Now, many of us would think about, uh, you know, when it says by whose stripes we're healed, what's that talking about? How am I, how am I healed? Did Jesus dying on the cross heal me of of a, of a sickness. Well, there's only one sickness that his stripes heal, and that's sin sickness. That's a broken relationship, a broken fellowship. <clears throat> Matter of fact, uh, there's whether all this talk about fellowship, fellowship. Give and take, communication, participation, giving. All of these things have to do with a a relationship. Before you can have fellowship, you must have a relationship. You build upon that relationship by communication. Now this is true with marriage, family, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, at work, on the job. There's lots of things that you and I must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this. I can, and I've often used this to use as an illustration concerning security of the believer. If you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've asked Him into your heart. Well, guess what? You're saved forever. Now, that relationship is secure, but the fellowship is not. You see, the fellowship is, again, a participation, a communication, a give and take, if you will. In the same way, with I can have a falling out with, a, with a, my wife. I can have a, you know, we're still married. I can have a falling out with my parents, uh, my children. All of us have that possibility. There's many people in this room that you may have kinfolks that you don't get along with. The relationship is there, but the fellowship is broken. We have to be real and be honest this morning if we want to get any good out of this message, any message you listen to. If you want to get the good out of it, to listen to the reality of it. And the reality of it is this, is that it takes that give and take. It takes, as a matter of fact, we're going to see in just a second, as you keep, you know, and you follow along, whether you're looking in your own Bible or whether you're looking on the screen, folks, there's something that can come between you and your family, and it's called sin. There, you, that you can still be related. You can be related to even to Jesus. The Bible says if if you've accepted Him as your Savior, God is your Heavenly Father, but sin can come in between you and Him. That doesn't mean that you're not saved, but what happens is there's a breakdown. Maybe there's not communication anymore. There's not a give and take. You must have confession of sin. We'll talk about that in just a second. But folks, we don't live in a perfect world. It takes work to keep those relationship lines open, those fellowship lines open, if you will. It takes work to, to maintain, to be a Christian today, to pray, to study. 
and to know, say, I've got to have a closer walk with him. So how do you have this relationship with God? Of course, knowing Jesus as Savior. Verse 4 is what I call relationship plus fellowship equals joy. Back here in our text, it says, in these things. So what are these things? Verses 1 through 3. Write, we unto you that your joy may be full. So in other words, to have joy, to have true joy, not happiness. Happiness is if, hey, what did you get me for my birthday? <laughs> Uh, what, what am I, what are we getting for Christmas? Um, hey, is the car running? Is, did I get a raise? Happiness is based upon circumstances. Joy is based upon choice. Kind of like that video earlier about I choose thankful. You can choose to be thankful because the Bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the rest of that verse. So in looking at verse 4. So verses 1 through 3. Have a relationship with Jesus. That you can have fellowship with Jesus. And fellowship with each other. Alright. How do we keep this fellowship? Let's keep it. In verse 5. We keep this fellowship. This then is the message. Which we've heard of him. And declaring to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Well, let's just talk about this, what is God? You know, this, this verse, God is light. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard it explained before uh, concerning a discussion on, uh, on the beginning when creation, the Bible says that uh, there was dark. And the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, or King James Version, heaven and the earth. And then it says uh, in verse 2, it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and da 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 And so uh, they said, well, there's something happened in between verse 1 and verse 2 because there's darkness and God is light, and so something's going on there. But there's two different lights, because if God is light, then he wouldn't have had to invent it. It's talking about here, spiritual light. You see, he invented, he's the one that created physical light. He created visible light, x-ray light, gamma light. There's all kind of lights. There's all kind of light waves. It's a neat study in science. Who invented that? God did. He created it. What was before all those lights? Light beams right now, you and I can see, but we can't see the light in between here and me and you. But you can see it reflecting. You can see the color of my shirt. You can see the color of the ceiling, the color of the carpet, and the color of whatever. Because what? Light's hitting it. You take away the light, and we can't see. But guess what? This verse is talking about inside of God. God is light. So if I want to have a, a right fellowship and I want to keep, I've got to realize that I need to stay close to God. So God is light. In Him is there no darkness at all. Which There's no sin. And so I want a close walk with Him. It's kind of like, um, I remember the first time I went coon hunting. And uh matter of fact, it was uh, with... Uh, my mom's dad called him granddad and uh we were out coon hunting and i wanted to and we was going out and all i knew was is he had this light 
that wasn't very bright. And I wanted to stay really close to Granddad because there's only so much light there and he could shine it around. But, you know, and I was stumbling and falling because he's shining out in front of him. He's, I said, Granddad, you just, I'll just follow you. So wandering out in the woods, and so I'm following him, but I know that if I want to stay in the light, I've got to stay close, because I didn't have a flashlight. I want to need to stay real close to granddad. And folks, that's what this is talking about in just a second. If you want to be in the light, if you want to have a close uh, fellowship with God, you've got to stay close to Him. And you can't get away from Him, as, it's just, as we're fixing to see in describing walking with Him. So, we know that we need, so he's full of light. It's spiritual light. It's not talking about his physical light. He made that later. The Bible says that uh, then you come up with a counterfeit Christian. If we say that we have no fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. A counterfeit is a fake. So you can say that you're saved and not be saved. That's a counterfeit. You can say one thing and you can fool everybody. You can say, well, I tell you what, I didn't lie. But we can be lying about that. And folks, we can fool everybody in the world. We can even fool our spouse. You can fool everybody if you set your mind to it. But you can't fool God. You cannot fool Him. And it says, so... I need to be close to God if we say that we have fellowship with Him. Man, I'm saved. I'm born again. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. But we don't do it. We don't fellowship with God. We don't walk with Him. We're not around Him like we should be. It comes out. It comes out. Counterfeit Christianity is seen in verse 6. Look at verse 7. It means walking with the Lord, talking with Him. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, what happens? We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So, notice that conjunction there, but. So, verse 6 is saying that you're just all talk. Just all talk. That's verse 6. Verse 7, on the other hand, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, well, guess what? You're not getting along with your brother and sister in Christ? One of you is not walking with the Lord. And no evidence. Oh, it's them. It ain't me. It's the other person. It ain't my. You know. Well, think about it. Think about it. According to the Bible, according to the Word of God, two so-called Christians not getting along. According to this, according to this, somebody ain't walking in the light. It says right here in verse 7, we have fellowship. Our fellowship, mine and your fellowship, is based upon walking with God. And if if, if, if two Christians, uh, they say they're both saved and they're not getting along, guess what? Somebody's not walking with God. 
period. No excuses. You try to come up with them. You're just trying to <clears throat> cover it up. But you can't hide the fact that somebody's not right with the Lord. Somebody's not walking with Him. It says it boldly, plainly, that we have fellowship, and our fellowship is based, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin, which tells me, of course, fellowship is based upon forgiveness and love. Many people say that things are okay, but we can't live without sinning. We all mess up. I was uh, given the devotion Friday morning to the football team, and I, and I told them. We talked about having a game plan, and uh, I know that was a rough, cold uh, trip and game and everything. We talked about a game plan. We used a video illustration about a game plan or a game, a play that they found in Nehemiah. And, you know, you can find everything that you need to find in the Bible. You can find answers to a gazillion questions, what to do, and, 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 and all about life. But there's a game plan not only for how to treat other people. There's a game plan on how to get to heaven. And there's a game plan that you can find the answers to. And there's a game plan for restoring fellowship, to restoring things right. It says in our text... To, that we cannot live without sinning. Verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, everything's wrong. There's nothing happening. There's nothing wrong. But folks, the only reason that John put, he put verse 8 in there. So we, nah, I just don't, I don't need a Savior. That tells you you do. We're all sinning. Matter of fact, Verse 8, the answer to verse 8 is verse 9. So I'm a sinner. What's the answer to verse 8? i got sin. If you don't admit you have sin, the Bible says you're lying. You, matter of fact, the biggest lie that you can ever tell is to yourself. I'm okay. If you do that, you'll deceive yourself right into hell. Or right out of your fellowship with God. I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. And nobody's around. You're just talking to yourself. Of course, famous verse 9 may not be famous to you, but it's an awesome verse. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. Booyah! <laughs> All unrighteousness. It doesn't say some unrighteousness. It says all unrighteousness. Everything. How do you get it? By saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Jesus, things aren't right in my life. I'm not getting along with my family. I'm not getting along with my friends. There's something wrong in my marriage. And folks, so much in our church... The reason that anybody suffers or has struggles in their marriage or in any relationship is because of pride. Pride. Pride destroys fellowship. Destroys marriages. Knocking papers off, I don't care. 
Pride does it. Pride, pride will lead a person away from God and straight to hell. Satan, you know, we've used this as an illustration before. The same middle letter of sin is the middle letter of pride. We got to get I out of the way. Matter of fact, the way you say I in Greek is where we get out of the word ego. We get ego from that word. Ah. Ah. When it's all about us. Okay. Brother Michael, you got me on the ropes. But actually, it's the Holy Spirit. If you feel like something's wrong in your life right now, and you need to do verse 9, He gives you one final last shot. He says in verse 10, there can be no fellowship without confession. If we say that, we've not sinned. We make Him a liar. When it says His Word is not in us, it means you don't even have Jesus in you. Because you're saying, I'm okay. And I don't need a Savior. The greatest thing our church needs right now is to claim verse 7. That's the greatest thing that our church needs right now. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness, from all sin, as we prepare for a hymn of invitation. I ask you to claim that verse this morning, Sam. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you've never been saved. You've never said to the Lord, Lord, I, I am a sinner. And I need you to save me right now. I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior. If you've just been going through the motions and you say, well, I believe. Well, believing here is not the same as asking here. Let me repeat that. Believing here. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But that's here. If you've never asked Him to save you, and said, "Come, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. And you're not saved. It's that simple. You can do that anywhere, anytime, anywhere. And it's the only way to have fellowship. Close participation. A walking. To have joy. And have that this morning.